welcome to IG's Trading the Markets. Now that we're in the first few weeks of the year, for those of you hoping to ease into January, well, boy, what a ride it's been. And there's been plenty of excitement, not just uh, in the Fed space, interest rates, uh, indices uh, tracking higher um, still as we speak. And also the geopolitics has kicked off as well. Joining me now to talk about all that is Aaron Bright, uh, IG Assistant uh, Portfolio Manager uh, of Ask. Uh, smart portfolios. It's been quite a year, hasn't it? Now that the dust has settled somewhat, if you can say that, uh, how how were you positioned coming into 2024 and how are you tweaking your positioning uh, as we get all these data points and uh, geopolitical headlines coming through? Yeah, so thank you very much for having me, Angeline. So the dust has settled on 2023 and it's a year which I mean, predominantly took us quite a, a lot by surprise. I mean, many of us were predicting some degree of economic downturn and, and sort of a, a recession, but obviously that didn't come last year. We saw a lot of a lot of strong figures on the economic and employment front, um, and stocks performed really admirably last year. So we saw the S and P 500 up around uh, 20, S and P 500 up around 25%. We saw the Nasdaq up over 40%. So we saw stocks really, really rally quite strongly. Um, last year, even though there were bouts of volatility, remember the, the credit suites, the back, all there were periods of stress. But what's actually very interesting is a lot of uh, financial commentators coming into the year were predicting a flat year for stocks. And if you look at the MSCI Acqui, which is a developed market global stock index, and you strip out all the magnificent seven, so all these uh, firms, you know, such as uh, Tesla, um, Nvidia, those type of, of, of firms, really tech heavy firms the performance of the acqui was pretty much flat so in that regard the stock market was flat and, and coming into the year we sort of remain relatively neutral on equities if you actually look across many of the sectors um, across the s p 500 their 10-year pe is, is slightly above average so going into a period where we've got high rates and valuations aren't too compelling we, we aren't in a position to go overweight equities so we remain fairly neutral towards equities in terms of uh, regions, uh, can you talk a bit uh, more about that? Because uh, clearly, as uh, investors are trying to kind of gauge where to, to increase and decrease exposure, maybe it's a, a regional uh, bias that they should be looking at. Yeah, absolutely. So we manage a, a balanced portfolio, sort of a very, very diversified uh, portfolio across a range of risks. So we have exposures to, to all sorts of regions. We maintain a small home bias in the UK. We think certain industries in that could provide, um, you know, some uh, positive performance, particularly if inflation continues to be a little bit of an issue. And as we've seen, it is still uh, annoyingly high around that three and a half to four percent mark. Um, and inflation seems to be plateauing a little bit, even though we saw some substantial disinflation. We have a, a decent position in Japan as well. We felt like the policy and valuations were very compelling there. So we have positions there. But our main position is, of course, the United States. Um, even though there is quite a premium you have to pay to buy US stocks, we still feel like the long-term trajectory for, for US growth and, and, and um, the US equity market is very positive. So that's where sort of the bulk of our equity exposure is. But we sort of maintain the view to have a, a balanced exposure. Um, a, it's not, not exactly a balanced exposure, but a diversified exposure across a range of different geographies um, when we ma manage the uh, portfolio range. It's important to have exposures to all different geographies.
Now, we saw this uh, Fed pivot at the end of last year, which sparked the Santa rally. Now there's a bit of recalibration going on. Uh, many of the uh, data points coming out still showing that uh, the U.S. economy is surprisingly resilient. And, of course, we've got inflation pressures creeping back in again. Uh, you Are you looking at all this and thinking perhaps we're not going to, as the CME Fed Watch tool uh, suggests, not going to see this uh, rate cut coming in March as the market predicts yeah yeah absolutely I would agree with that um how we've been positioning the portfolios is we do expect some degree of, of rate cuts this year um, but we're sort of thinking more towards the second half um something that we were discussing as a team recently was the inflation prints that have come out recently and as, as I said earlier inflation in the US and the UK is still around that three and a half to four percent mark and it's it's really not an environment to be cutting rates in even if the economy does fall over a little bit it's it's almost against the federal reserve's mandate to cut in an environment where you still see inflation being particularly high um but with that being said we still have tilted our portfolios in the fixed in income bucket to have a little bit more duration because we think when rates do come down this year which we are uh, positioning ourselves for that those sort of longer dated bonds will, will have a, a nice rally and, and there'll be uh, some capital gains to be made within that area of fixed income and uh, Aaron, clearly the Fed is uh, probably keeping a close eye on uh, what's happening in the Middle East as well. Uh, you mentioned concerns the last time we spoke uh, about uh, geopolitics. And uh, since then, we've had the Israel-Hamas war and also what's been happening in the Red Sea. How concerned about uh, this are you about this spreading? Uh, very much so. Um, as we spoke last time, I was concerned about tensions in the re in the region, particularly because of Iran's proxies and Iran vying for this regional hegemony. And, and we saw, a, a, obviously, a, a terrorist attack by Hamas on 7th October, um, where over a thousand civilians were killed in Israel. And Israel has subsequently, uh, you know, launched a, a military offensive in in the Gaza Strip to uh, remove Hamas's military capabilities. But we're seeing pressure all across uh, the region so we're seeing I, I saw one geopolitical analyst refer to it as iran's ring of fire their proxies um, which have the potential to cause all sorts of chaos within the region so we have hezbollah on the northern border of israel um, who are a prescribed terrorist organization we have um, the, of course the, the one that w that's really catching our eye at the moment is the houthis in yemen and they're they at first you know i don't think many people were aware of their capabilities but they're proving to be a real nuisance and, and causing some real problems in the Red Sea. So we've seen Ilat, the port of Ilat's business, fall 80% since the Houthi attacks in, in November. We've also seen a fall of 30% in global uh, shipping traffic and, and container shipping traffic. And they're causing all sorts of problems in that Bab al-Mandab Strait. So we're seeing traffic through that strait be, become severely limited. And I was actually having a look at the maritime traffic throughout the Red Sea yesterday, and we're seeing ships putting... Uh, putting on their destination saying, you know, we don't have relations with Israel or armed guards on board because the situation throughout the Red Sea is actually so precarious that traffic is is being diverted actually down through the, the, the Cape of Good Hope with enormous, enormous additional costs. And that can have quite significant ramifications for inflation if we see costs of imports going up for, for, for countries. And also if we see any form of supply chain disruptions, which could very easily... Um, uh, get worse if the uh, the Houthis continue to uh, cause chaos within in the in the Red Sea and 
with regards to the, the conflict developing, it really depends on how much Iran vies for this regional hegemony, because it can just call upon any of its proxies to uh, to attack Israel, which it sees as its biggest threat towards hegemony within the Middle East. So it's an, an issue we're very much keeping um, our eyes on. And prior to the war, the Hamas-Israel war, we actually added some gold and treasuries to our portfolio because they seem to be the safest assets in, in times of, of conflict such as this. And staying on uh, geopolitics, um, have the tensions between China and Taiwan caught your eye? I mean, how how serious uh, are uh, your clients perceiving this? And uh, should this also be uh, factored in when looking at one's portfolio? Yeah, yeah, really, really another interesting situation there. Whilst it isn't as intense as the situation in the Middle East, it's certainly, there are certainly tensions brewing there. So obviously China is quite keen to add Taiwan as a, as a province to the sort of People's Republic of China. Uh, and, you know, we've seen over the past number of years, we've seen China ramp up military exercises in the South China Sea. We've seen almost like mock uh, invasions of Taiwan being carried out by the Chinese army, sort of these amphibious style uh, preparation drills. So, you know, Xi Jinping is, is certainly vying for a, a some kind of uh, invasion of Iran, whether it's military, militarily or whether it, there's sort of a peaceful uh, a solution there. China are quite convinced that they want this as part of their, their, their sort of overall nation. And what's so critical about that is the semiconductor production which comes out of Taiwan. So semiconductors are, are absolutely invaluable to many of our electronic devices and Taiwan produced 60% of global semiconductors and over 93% of advanced semiconductors. So if there was a, a large-scale military conflict which occurred throughout Taiwan and China then we could see huge issues with global technology, with uh, economic development and anything related to technological development, we could see some quite significant issues um, with regards to that. I read recently that a, a CEO of a uh, semiconductor company out of Taiwan actually said it could set the global economy back decades if uh, a, you know a serious serious war were to outbreak between uh, China and Taiwan. Right. So it's, uh, it's not our immediate concern, but it's certainly catching the eye. Well, thank you very much. Really interesting stuff there. Erin um, Bright, uh, Assistant Portfolio Manager at IG Smartfolios, talking about geopolitics, how to position uh, your portfolio in 2024, and also talking about uh, Fed recalibration and why investors uh, should be looking at uh, perhaps going neutral towards equities uh, as we uh, start the year and indeed make a call as the uh, Fed's intentions become clearer. This is IGTV and I'm Angelina.